Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman, and this is episode 19 of the quarantine edition of my show. Can't believe it's already been 19 episodes, but I love doing it every single week. And so today, like it was last week, four segments with the NFL week two stuff. I'm going to have the NHL NBA playoffs. And today I'm going to actually start with the Canadian Premier League final. Just because tournament's now over, I kind of want to do a little bit of a tournament recap because I know I haven't gotten to talk about this as much as maybe I would like to in my limited time. But the final took place between Hamilton's team Forge FC and Halifax's team, HFX Wanderers. The final score was 2-0 in favor of Forge, who are now two-time champions of the Canadian Premier League. As they won the Island Games, they won 2-0, like I said. The first goal, the opening goal, set up by Mo Babouli, who put in a perfect cross. Basically, a corner kick came in. Oxner, the goalie, got a piece of the ball, went to Babouli there on the right-hand side, and he crossed it into the back post. For Ashton Yodi Janssen, who headed it in to give Forge a 1-0 lead. And that was then, the win was then, sorry, sealed as Oxner made a horrible error in the 89th minute. Maxim Tissot shot it from really long range and it was just a bad goalkeeping mistake. And so 2-0 was the final score. I will say Forge were a little bit fortunate earlier in this game just because David Edgar only got a yellow card and... You know, I kind of agree with the assessment that one soccer had when they were talking about it after the game where it is kind of true that on one hand, if the ball had been closer to Akeem Garcia, Edgar probably gets a red card. But because the pass was so far off, a yellow is maybe justified. I don't know. I struggle with that one a little bit because even though... It certainly, it feels like a last man back type of, you know, there's David Edgar's making no attempt at the ball there at all. But I certainly think that if the CPL had VAR, that might be a red card for Edgar and not just a yellow card. But Forge, I do think, were the better team in the game. Definitely deserved winners, but certainly a moment there that could have turned the game on its head. Halifax couldn't make the corner, or sorry, the free kick ensuing off that yellow card count, though, and they just didn't generate enough chances overall in the game. Just two shots on target for HFX Wanderers in this match, but full credit to Forge. I thought they were really, really good in this game, and Kyle Becker, certainly my man of the match. He, I think, was easily Forge's MVP of the Island Games, and... The fact that there's been links from links to MLS with his name, I don't think those are surprising whatsoever. Kyle Becker definitely... I'd be surprised if he's with Forge again to start next season, to be honest. I think he's more than proven himself as the league's best central midfielder and certainly, I think, deserves an opportunity to go show that on a higher level than the Canadian Premier League. Other than that, though, there's not a lot else to say about the final. Forge, like I said, two-time champions now. 
as Halifax, to me, should feel no shame in this season. Their tournament was spectacular and took so many steps from a year ago where they finished last place in the table and now all the way to the finals. Really, again, I think HFX has so many things to be proud of. Akeem Garcia won the golden boot for them for the tournament's leading goal scorer. And Oxner, outside of the goalkeeping error he made in the final, I mean, I thought he was probably the best goalie in the tournament as well. So definitely a lot of positives for them, just in the end, not quite enough. And so what this means now is that Forge will play Toronto FC in the Canadian Championship Final, and that final doesn't have a date yet. So Toronto FC, basically to try and make this as easy as possible, because of Canada's quarantine situation, TFC was playing a round robin with Montreal and Vancouver for a little while, and now they're in the United States playing against the other MLS teams in their regular season. And so their season will probably end in December, depending on how far they go in the playoffs. It's a little unclear at this point because MLS is seemingly making it up as they, as they go, basically, from the looks of it. But anyway, the Canadian Championship Final should take place sometime in December, but I guess we'll see. Forge will obviously, I think, be at a bit of a disadvantage considering TFC is going to get a lot more playing time in between. However, it should be noted, Forge will be playing in the CONCACAF League, and so that'll at least give them some playing time before they would play Toronto FC in the Canadian Championship Final. And assuming they can hang on to their players, at least for now, because obviously I expect them to move on to bigger, better leagues at some point, but if they can hang on to those players, at least for right now, temporarily, then I think it will be a good thing for Forge in their attempt to make Canadian soccer history because an MLS team has not lost in the Canadian championship. And so that will be something to keep an eye on and monitor. It should be interesting. Overall, though, my thoughts on the island games, I love that the Canadian Premier League was able to host a tournament in PEI. I think it went extremely well for them. It was fantastic. I love the fact, too, that later in the tournament, they got youth soccer teams in the area to go watch games and stuff like that because if you're talking about trying to help build the next generation of soccer players, of athletes in this country, that's the kind of thing that goes a long way in my opinion. So I love seeing that. And overall, I thought the quality of play was really good. Unfortunately though, I think the lack of proper preseason and the overall just difficulty of trying to play in a pandemic and stuff like that I think the fitness levels of the team certainly wasn't as high as it what it could have been and that's why I think we saw so many injuries and cavalry certainly were on the worst end of you know most injuries that a team could suffer type of thing especially cluster injuries to their attacking players where they just seemingly lost almost everybody in those positions but cavalry I still think played really well in this tournament they fought really hard. I thought they defended really well for the most part. Again, if they were just a little healthier, could have been a lot different for them. Or if they could have gotten some of their international players because Escalante and Luca couldn't get into the country before the shutdown and stuff like that. Marco Bustos, I think, was probably the overall MVP of the tournament. He was just unbelievable for Pacific in this tournament. 
And I realize that, you know, maybe his stats are a little bit inflated because he played a Halifax B team on the last day of the second group stage. But if you looked at his performances outside of that, I mean, Bustos was certainly always impactful and he had to play a ton of minutes because Pacific brought a small squad and he did exceptionally well in this tournament for them. Ottawa, I think, was really impressive, despite the fact that they kind of put together their team at the last minute, because obviously a lot of their internationals that they were hoping to get didn't quite come through for them just because of the pandemic and stuff. I think Winnipeg's team, Valor, took a big step forward. I thought Valor, even though Halifax were the worst team in the table last season, it always felt like Valor was actually probably the worst team in the league. Like They really didn't play well at all last year. But they took huge steps forward. I thought their team was far, far better this season than it was last season. York 9, I think, was a little bit disappointing just because I think their fan base would have expected at least a second round appearance. And then Edmonton was probably the one like real disappointment in this tournament as far as their own expectations. And so Jeff Paulus is now no longer going to be the head coach. He's being moved to a different role in that organization. And so Edmonton will have a new coach next season. Something to keep an eye on, nonetheless. But overall, I want to say that I think the Canadian Premier League did extremely well. I was so happy to see so many positive things come out of the tournament. And I can't wait for next season. I really hope that they're able to have something resembling a normal year in 2021. All right, so that's the CPL done. On to the NBA playoffs. So... Last week on my show, I was recording on the same day as Game 7 of the Clippers and Nuggets series. And so Game 7 happened. And Game 7, I think, can be summed up very simply in the sense that the LA Clippers decided to build a house with many, many bricks. And then when you thought they were out of bricks, they continued to supply more. And the Nuggets came up huge Jamal Murray was lights out spectacular in game seven and so the Clippers got eliminated from the playoffs which you know myself included I was wrong about the Clippers and a lot of people were wrong about the Clippers and so they're now out of the NBA playoffs overall I think the Clippers just were so terrible in game seven and they blew the leads in game five and in game six it was just I think there's a lot more questions than answers when it comes to this team. And overall, for anyone who's saying, oh, the Clippers are okay, they just need to run it back. And like, honestly, Paul George, his attitude has kind of made me angry a little bit. Because he seems to think, oh, we, we weren't championship or bust this year. You know, we didn't have those. Like, wait, what? You weren't championship or bust? Are you kidding me? Your team traded five first round picks to Oklahoma City. In order to make this team, of course it's championship or bust. You don't trade five first-round picks if you're not going for a championship. And next season, the, like this is the thing. This was the year for the Clippers to win. Because next year, it's going to be way more difficult to win a championship than this season was. Because next season, Golden State is going to be back. And the Warriors, obviously, were taken out this year because of injuries and stuff like that. But next year, they're coming back with a healthy Curry, with a healthy Clay, with a healthy Draymond, with Andrew Wiggins, and with the number two overall pick, which is probably going to turn into an impactful bench player at least. 
So, I mean, Golden State's going to be the favorite in the West. I, I don't think there should be doubt about that. I know they don't have Kevin Durant, but Golden State was the best team before they got Durant, and I don't expect them to not be the best team now that, you know, they have Wiggins instead. They're still going to be the best team in the West, I think, and the favorite going into next season. The Lakers are obviously still going to be good next year. The Denver Nuggets are going to be better next year because Jokic and Murray, those guys aren't, you know, 33. Those guys are in their early 20s, and they're going to get better. So the Clippers have to deal with them again. Utah's going to be healthier next year. The Dallas Mavericks are coming because Luka Doncic might be the best player in the league by next season. So I don't understand this whole, like, we weren't, you know, it wasn't a championship or bust season. Of course it was. And I think the Clippers missed a huge opportunity. And I think, honestly, if I was a Clippers fan, I would be scared because they blew it. And it's going to get only more difficult next season. I don't love their chances, honestly. But we'll see. That's my little spiel about the Clippers. The Western Conference Finals is obviously underway. The Lakers are up 2 to nothing because Anthony Davis hit an incredibly clutch shot in the final seconds of game number two to put them up 2 to nothing. And so credit to Davis. He's taken a lot of heat for not showing up in fourth quarters, and somewhat rightfully so. He's not been very good this season in the late game situations for the Lakers but he certainly was in game number two and for Denver well they've been here before they're down again in a series they'll have to fight their way back this is not new for them and if any team can do it it certainly will be the Nuggets in the Eastern Conference final meanwhile Miami Heat have a two to one lead in the series and can I just say game number one that block by Bam Adebayo if you haven't seen that block go watch it it is unbelievable how he just he completely annihilated Jason Tatum on that one Tatum went for the tomahawk slam dunk and Bam Adebayo with one of the best blocks I've ever seen in my life no joke about that spectacular Miami leads two to one Gordon Hayward obviously came back for Boston in game number three which was huge for them because he helps complete their rotation a lot and I think the Celtics bench was getting really exposed by the heat but Miami still to me I think are the better team and I think firmly in the driver's seat in this series and I expect them to win I expect them to win in spite of Gordon Hayward's return which I do think is big for Boston who will I think definitely make a series out of this all right, on to the NHL playoffs. So we're on to the Stanley Cup final because the Islanders, despite fighting valiantly in the Eastern Conference final, ended up losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who now are 1-1 with the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup final. The Stanley Cup final has been really interesting so far, mostly because Dallas and Tampa Bay have seemingly traded just who's the better team at any given moment because Dallas in game number one was really good for the first two periods and then sat back and hung on for dear life and ended up winning and the Tampa Bay Lightning were really really good in game number two's first period only to then hang on and just barely win type of thing in the other two periods so it's been a little back and forth a little tough to say who has the edge right now I think pretty even Steven I think both teams need to find more consistency period to period because it seems to be a little bit of a struggle as far as carrying over momentum when they had a good period and trying to play well into the next period type of thing. 
But nonetheless, Dallas, Tampa Bay should be should be a good Stanley Cup final. These two teams certainly seem like they're on pretty equal footing for the most part in these Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, and finally, into the NFL week number two. So, like I did last week, I'm going to go through every single game from week number two and just give brief little description. The games I want to talk about more, I'll leave more time for. And the games I don't think are as relevant, I'll leave less time for. So, Thursday Night Football, Bengals and Browns. Joe Burrow became the first rookie in NFL history with 60-plus passing attempts and zero interceptions. So, Burrow, I think, looked pretty good in this game. Obviously, Cleveland just have a lot more talent, but, you know, Baker Mayfield, at some point, he's got to start playing better because he wasn't that good in this game, but the run game was pretty much unstoppable for Cleveland in this one. And so, Cincinnati, still a work in progress. Obviously, they're a rebuilding team. Bears and Giants. So, Chicago won by four. Chicago started out great and then seemingly fell off a cliff and played terribly but found a way to win so that's kind of the summation of this game Saquon Barkley by the way of the Giants out with a torn ACL this was the week of injuries and I feel absolutely gutted for the teams who lost players and Saquon Barkley certainly one of the biggest names it's going to be tough for the Giants without him and I hope he comes back next year stronger than ever as much as I hate the Giants you know you never want to see injuries type of thing Falcons and Cowboys. I'll come back to that one. Lions, meanwhile, got blown out by the Green Bay Packers. And so, yeah, basically the same as last week. Aaron Rodgers continues to dominate the division. And I think questions have to be asked about not if Matt Patricia gets fired for Detroit, but when Matt Patricia gets fired for Detroit. Because he simply just has lost way too many games. And I'm surprised he still has a job right now, if I'm honest. Vikings and Colts. Minnesota might be the most disappointing team in the entire season so far. Indianapolis won easily 28-11 to in this game. Phillip Rivers wasn't spectacular, but, you know, was alright. And Minnesota, and this was the funniest stat of the week, so I'll get to this game next. But Stephon Diggs, who the Vikings traded to Buffalo this past offseason, had more receiving yards than the Vikings had passing yards and so yeah that's not not great minnesota's in a lot of trouble and i if you're asking me why they extended to kirk cousins i don't know because to me that's just bad decision making from the front office speaking of the bills they beat the dolphins 31 to 28 miami made a game out of this one for sure but josh allen was spectacular and Stephon Diggs like I mentioned also had a brilliant game for the Buffalo Bills wasn't easy but traveling on the road to a division rival Miami was obviously due for a little bit of a bounce back after how badly they played against New England so Buffalo looked pretty good and you know considering their injuries on defense I think they did pretty well this week Miami fought hard couldn't get it done in the end and I think Miami's just going to be near the bottom of the standings. I think we all know this. The question for the Dolphins is can they finish their rebuild next year and contend for next season with presumably presumably to a uh, Tungo Violoa 
at quarterback for them. 49ers and the Jets. So San Francisco won this game really easily, and I don't I don't think anyone's surprised by that. But this game was not determined by what happened on the field, but by who left the field. And what I mean by that is San Francisco lost seemingly almost every good player on their team. Jimmy Garoppolo left the game with an injury. Raheem Mostert left the game with an injury. Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas both tore their ACLs. So there goes Solomon Thomas, good pass rusher, and Nick Bosa, maybe the best pass rusher in football. Garoppolo's gone for a few weeks, which is still terrible because he's their starting quarterback, and Mostert's their starting running back, and he's gone for a while, and they already have injuries to Sherman, and they already have injuries to Kittle. Like, it's just... The 49ers are running out of players. But somehow, in spite of the fact the 49ers have next to nothing left as far as personnel, the New York Jets are the worst team in football because despite the fact the 49ers were playing their B team... They still sucked and couldn't find a way to get points or to do anything in this game. In my opinion, I think Sam Darnold's time is ticking. And Adam Gase's time is ticking too. Because Trevor Lawrence is going to get drafted at this rate. And Gase is not going to have a job. And I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Douglas did both of those things. Because let's be real. On the New York Jets right now... Are there any untouchable pieces outside of their recent first-round pick, Mekhi Becton, at offensive line? And the answer is they probably don't have any untouchables. I think everyone should be subject to change. Rams and Eagles. Oh, man. Do I have to talk about this game? I guess I do. Um, Philly sucks. And if it wasn't for a Cooper Cup fumble, this game would have been a lot worse. There's my summation. There we go. Okay. Broncos and Steelers. So Denver, speaking of lost quarterbacks, Denver is now down to Jeff Driscoll, and they recently signed Blake Bortles, although he definitely won't play this week unless they want him to go in completely fresh without a playbook against the Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. But we'll see. Pittsburgh, I think, could have been a lot better in this game, but they found a way to win. So... Steelers are 2-0. Two wins against bad teams, but that's probably about the best I can say for them. Carolina, meanwhile, lost to Tampa Bay. It was a bit of a bounce-back game for the Buccaneers, but they still feel like they're a long ways off. Like, there's still a lot they have to work out, but it was nice to see Brady and Mike Evans connecting a lot better. For Carolina, though, Christian McCaffrey, another... Another major injury out of this week, and McCaffrey's going to be gone for a few weeks. Huge loss for the Panthers, and so this season's going to be a long one for Panthers fans. Jaguars and Titans. I'm going to give full credit to Jacksonville. They have showed, they have played so much better than their talent level, and I think Gardner Minshew has done an exceptional job for them this season. So, full credit to the Jaguars. Tennessee found a way to win, and that's kind of you know, what you expected out of this game. Arizona won really easily against the football team. Still weird calling Washington the football team, but nonetheless, Kyler Murray, spectacular. He had had almost 160 rushing yards in this game against Washington. Lamar Jackson took care of business against Sean Watson in the Houston game. It's pretty obvious Baltimore is just a way better team than Houston. Ravens play the Chiefs. On Monday Night Football should be a fun one. Speaking of the Chiefs, they beat the Chargers in overtime. 
because Patrick Mahomes had one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. Justin Herbert played really well, by the way, for the Chargers. Made a few rookie mistakes, but looked pretty promising, I will say, in the in the losing effort in spite of that. And Harrison Buckner, that guy was damn clutch for the Kansas City Chiefs. Sunday Nighter was a good game. Patriots and Seahawks, but Russell Wilson, five TD passes on the Bill Belichick-led Patriots defense. Cam Newton looked really good, and he's definitely earning himself some money, but New England couldn't get in from three yards out on the final play of the game. And finally, the Saints and the Raiders. Vegas actually looked pretty good in this game in a 10-point win. New Orleans, Drew Brees barely threw the ball beyond like five yards. And that would be really concerning, in my opinion, is that Drew Brees... I don't know. I wonder if the punishment of so many years in the league is catching up to him at this point. And finally, like I said, I'd come back to the Falcons and the Cowboys, and here I am. So, let, let's not get things twisted. Dallas was not good in this game. I give an ounce of credit to the Cowboys for continuing to fight and not give up and all that stuff, and that's great. But Atlanta blew it. The Falcons had a 20-point lead. And somehow, in the second half, they decided, you know what? You know that thing we did in the Super Bowl when we blew the biggest lead, like, ever, and, you know, the biggest choke job on the planet? Let's do it again! <laughs> That's basically what happened. And that onside kick, oh, man. For anyone who hasn't seen the pictures of it, please go look at it, because the onside kick was spinning and spinning and spinning, and there was not one, not two, not three, but four. Four Falcons players who stood and they stared at the ball and thought, should I dive on it? Should I get the ball? No, 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 maybe I... Okay, and the Dallas player got it. Atlanta had four players stare at the ball and just not go get it. <laughs> on an onside kick, which... Oh, yeah, sorry. No, Atlanta, that was just... I'm not even a Falcons fan, but I just... I feel bad for their fan base. And in the same vein as Matt Patricia keeping his job, I don't know how Dan Quinn still has his. But nonetheless, that is the NFL Week 2 recap. And that brings me to the end of my show today. I want to thank everybody for listening in. Once again, be happy, be healthy, and stay safe, everybody. <laughs>